I remember one time I had this powerful vision. I don't think I've ever shared it before. And it just came to me right now um, when I was meditating on what meditation was. And I remember seeing people on this path, trying to become enlightened, trying to do something different. And there was this big clearing and all these people were sitting in this field with a mantra. And the problem is they got stuck with the mantra and they couldn't move past that field. So that was it for them in the terms of meditation because they had to hold on to something. They couldn't trust themselves and they couldn't let go. It's almost like fear. We can't let go of fear in our lives and that's what holds us back. And so it was just like almost a dark scene of people stuck in a mantra. And I was like, wow, very few people can go past the mantra. In today's busy world, how can we find the inspiration, knowledge and energy to live a healthy and empowered life if we balance and harmonize our mind, exercise our body, live according to the laws of nature, and connect to spirit, can we find a way to heal, become our authentic self, and live our purpose with love? I am your hostess, Amy Fournier, and welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite. Welcome back to Awakening Aphrodite. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Angie Check of the Check Institute. We discussed Angie's journey into becoming a shaman, her work with the Czech Institute as a lifestyle and health and fitness coach, as well as her tips on becoming a mom after being a very successful entrepreneur and how she made that big adjustment into momdom <laughs> while she was continuing to work without going crazy. And she also gets into teaching us how to manifest the things we want. But before we get into the episode, which I know you're dying to, because it is a good one. I have got to thank one of my podcast review people. This one goes out to FD1124, who gave me a five-star review on iTunes. And she says, Amy has so much passion for what she does. And as a result, she stays on top of everything and shares this knowledge. Some podcasts sound alike, but this one is different. Amy's energy is contagious and you will love her enthusiasm. She relates to everyone. Great job, Amy. Totally inspiring. Oh my gosh. Well, you are inspiring me. FD 1124 reviews like this really helped me get the show out to more people. And they inspire me to keep going because I know that you are listening and you are enjoying it and it's giving you value. So I so appreciate that. Thank you so much. Now let's get back to this week's episode. Again, my guest is Angie check. Angie has successfully run her personal training and nutrition company, Angie's world for over 20 years. Angie is a certified nutritionist, an ACSM certified personal trainer, a Czech practitioner, and holistic lifestyle coach. She's part of the Czech faculty, and she's the lead instructor for the holistic lifestyle coach levels one, two, and three. Angie received her bachelor's degree in biology at the University of California, Riverside, and her degree in nutrition at American Health Science University. Angie is a professional public speaker and has made numerous appearances in print and live media. Her interests include natural healing and shamanism, and she is a shaman. She holds a certification in energy medicine as well, 
And as I mentioned, she's a graduate of the Advanced Training Three-Year Shamanic Program offered through the Foundation for Shamanic Studies. Angie is also a graduate of the Nine Gates Mystery School, and she is available for lifestyle coaching one-on-one online, digitally, as well as being a business consultant and a public speaker. This episode is packed with super interesting and valuable stuff because Angie talks to us about her journey into becoming a shaman. So we talk about what that is, how Angie made meditation a key part of her daily practice to tapping into her own intuition, her guidance, and her gifts. And she talks about how we can make meditation effective for us. She also shares with us how to best use mantras, which I really learned something there, something, a really good tip on what most people do incorrectly and how to use mantras correctly in your practice every day, how we get into being in the no mind state so we can receive the downloads and the revelations and connections, not only to ourselves, but also people that have passed over into the other planes. Angie shares her tips for embodiment and how we can hear our intuition and ways to actually do that, that make a lot of sense. She explains the difference between being a high priestess and a shaman and how to communicate with nature and animals and how they're talking to us all the time and ways we can learn from them to make our lives better. Angie also shares with us the modern, how modern technology is disrupting our ability to naturally tap into our intuition and hear those higher voices and connect with the other worlds and how we can circumvent that in ways that we can continue to use technology, but change things in our lifestyle or our daily habits. So we don't disrupt that chemical, uh, communication. And Angie shares the six foundational lifestyle principles from the Czech Institute that are key, absolutely crucial in order to function as a highly effective and happy person. And Angie gets into tips for being a busy mom and how she adjusted from being an entrepreneur to then a mom without going crazy and being super frustrated all the time. She shares with us the key to getting your workouts in and Most importantly, at the end, we get into Angie's tips for how to become a master manifester in your world. So are you ready to go deep and tap in? Let's now join Angie Chuck. Angie, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you, Amy. Happy to be here. Wow, wow, wow. I am super thrilled to have you on the show. As you guys already heard, Angie is quite the accomplished woman. Wow, I feel like I'm interviewing Superwoman right now, basically. She not only heads the Czech Holistic Health Lifestyle Program, but she is also a shaman, an energy healer. She has degrees in nutrition and biology. She is a super mom, wife of Paul Czech. And we are just going to just pick her brain as much as possible in this episode. So Angie, again, welcome and thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Amy. All right. Would you please share with us a little background on your story and what got you to where you are now? Oh, gosh. Well, that could start from when I was born, because I think, you know, in my philosophy about life is that everything happens for a reason. And so if I look back on my life, every little thing that happened to me 
was there to guide me in the direction I'm in. You know, some from childhood, I had a childhood illness. I was um, about three months of age, had a croup where my mom thought I swallowed a toy in my crib and I was had a whooping cough, took me to the emergency room and they diagnosed me with croup. So I had an inability to breathe properly. My uh, airways were closing. So I was, my childhood was full of doctor's visits where I would have to get a shot in my arm and a shot in my butt and open up my airways. And, you know, it was just a, that kind of led me to my path of health and nutrition because my brother was always super healthy, you know, and I was just like, why do I have this problem? How come I'm always staying home from school? And I was the one who loved school and he was looking for every excuse not to go. And, uh, you know, so I was constantly, my first book that I loved to read when I learned how to read was the, um, medical encyclopedia. I wanted to learn and figure out what was going on and why was I not feeling well. And so, um, of course, as a child, I thought I had everything. I remember one time I was reading right before dinner and I told my mom, I'm dying of a heart attack, you know, and she's like, Angie, and it was, you know, it was just a probably heartburn, you know, but it was so funny how I was just trying to figure out and I was trying to find clues and answers to why I was sick and how come my brother wasn't sick. And so uh, that led me to my journey of learning about biology and learning about herbs and supplements and, and what I can do besides taking the drugs the doctors were giving me. I remember as a child, I'd, I was confused because I didn't feel right and I couldn't explain to them why I didn't feel good. But a lot of the drugs that opened up my airways actually made, were like a hallucinogenic effect where everything sped up and my mind was going too fast. Words were like, uh, fans would be like, whoop, 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 whoop. my mom's high heels would be like, click, 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 click over the, you know, the kitchen floor. And I was just excruciating and like scary. You know, I was just like, my mom, it, it hurts. I don't, and I couldn't explain. And so that's when I wanted to learn what else could help my lungs. And so then I found things like cat's claw, things that would help me open up my airways without these side effects. And that's kind of led me to my journey. And so I went into school to be a, you know, into biology. I originally wanted to be an astronaut. You know, I always had, really, yes, I wanted to be an astronaut. Then I got, then I realized that's not where I wanted to go. Then I was in marine biology and then I went into nutrition and that's where I, my heart had always been learning about taking care of myself. I went into uh, working with dogs and cat food. Uh, so I was working for a company that specialized in research on dog food and cat food. And then I realized that my passion was really in human consumption. So I went on to pursue my master's in nutrition and, you know, through that, you know, started learning about taking care of the body, physical fitness, learning about exercise, becoming an ACSM certified personal trainer, then becoming certified to the Czech Institute, meeting Paul. And that kind of just led me on my journey. So I don't know how far you want to take that ride, but uh, that's what kind of led me on this path. And I just wanted to help people feel better. And as I made myself feel better, um, I was inspired to help others learn about health too and what it took to be healthy. Right on. What I love about what you're sharing about your journey, Angie, is that it seems like all of your pieces totally connect to where you're at now. It seems like in knowing you like I do, because we've known each other for a few years now through Paul, um, you seem to incorporate all of that in what you're doing right now. Unlike some people in life, you know how the journey is like they get a little sidetracked, they do some job and, you know, they don't really ever use that skill or whatever again, and then they get on track. You seem to be incorporating all of it now. 
Is that yeah, accurate? absolutely. And yeah, in fact, cool. I'm in the process of writing a book that shares my experiences and I, I want to write it to inspire other people to realize and to look at their life instead of getting mad at what happened and getting upset at all these things to embrace it and say, what was the lesson? Because life is about lessons and we're here to learn. And so when we can embrace the, the lesson and detach from the emotion and yes, it was some things were very painful in our lives, but recognizing and saying, what did I learn? What can I share? And how can I use that information to heal others? You know, and I think a lot of our lessons are because we are living in a community. We are designed to help others. And so with that information and that experience, it gives us empathy and compassion to help other people with going through the same things we did. And so that's what I feel that everybody wants you to just kind of step back and instead of removing the anger from our lives and saying, why did that happen? And it doesn't mean to take away from what happened. It's just saying, how can I embrace that? And what could I teach others so it doesn't happen to others? And that's really my message in my book is, is not only about my healing crisis, but also about how it led me into the things like shamanism and alternative healing modalities and how now I take those into effect and I can use those to help heal the lives of others as well as my own. And that leads to your sense of inner peace and fulfillment because I feel like our souls all want to evolve. We're all here learning lessons in what's called, you know, life school. And I think a lot of our pain comes when we don't maybe have the courage to look at, okay, what, what's really happening here? I have to address something. I have to take action or not take action and to feel like we are evolving and we're progressing. We're not just like groundhog day all the time, you know, and that, that leads to the next level of our soul feeling fulfilled. Absolutely. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. You're a beautiful example of that. I mean, well, I just can't believe how accomplished you are, Angie. You just truly are superwoman. Thank you. <laughs> so tell us about shamanism. Start with 101 for the person that has no idea what that word is and just wants to learn all about it because it's it's kind of popular right now. Yeah, you know, and to best describe what shamanism is, is to having the ability to access um, other worlds, I would just say, you know, it's like we live in, as we call it, the middle world, and there's an upper world and a lower world. And a lot of people think of it as heaven and hell, and it's actually not, you know, the upper world is where we see angelic beings. Um, we see saints and guides, but the lower world is in hell. It's actually a very mystical uh, forest, like um, very nature feeling uh, existence with a lot of animals. So when animals die, they usually go to the lower world. So it's very plush. It's not scary at all. In fact, when I die, I'm probably gonna spend most of my time in the lower world. And so um, then there's also the middle world. And we know that when people pass on unexpectedly, they can be stuck in the middle world. So that's why we hear about ghosts and apparitions and things that are not here, but they're somewhere in this field and they haven't passed on. And so shamanism helps you understand those things, um, helps you get clear with it. There's uh, techniques that you can learn to help you see these other worlds. Um, along with connecting to our guides. So all of us have guides that are helping us. And uh, um, so the, the guides you know, can be from anything from saints, angels, uh, to ancestors. 
We also have power animal guides. And so these are uh, animals that could be either, they seem uh, real or fictitious. Like we, someone might say they have a power animal guide of a dragon or, and things. And you go, well, well, is that really real? And so at this level, it, all these things are real. And so you learn how to connect to them. And so it's an opportunity um, to learn about life through a different lens, I guess you would say, and allows healing to take place because you know, when we're in just this middle world without looking at the other things, it looks very cut and paste. You have this problem, you take this drug, you have this problem, you have this surgery. And you realize that body is an energetic being and there's all these different dimensions to it. And so being a shaman allows you to look at the body energetically and say, oh, this blockage could be coming from the past, past lives, um, past emotions, um, anger, you know, any kind of um, emotional upset, all those things can be um, show up in our field. So shamanism is a, is a tool that allows you to see things differently. And so um, I would say, you know, if you're wanting to learn about shamanism, a great book to start would be The Way of the Shaman, Shaman by Michael Harner. Fabulous way to get an uh, introduction about what it means to do shamanic work. And so you can get a feel for that. And so when I first bought that book, um, don't just read it cover to cover. It's like, it, it's, it's a workbook. It's designed to be a workbook and you're supposed to actually do the exercises. And if you're going to uh, really want to understand shamanism, I invite you to do that. And so download the tracks to help you with the drumming to hear, you know, cause you can get into these shamanic states. You don't have to use psychedelics. A lot of people think that's the only way to do it. I have to be in a mind altering substance that is really scary to me. And you don't, you can actually do it through a drum beat and a drum beat uh, drums at a theta level that will actually get you into another state of consciousness and allows you to see things. In fact, most of my pro most profound experiences happened with just the drum, completely 100% sober, listening to a drum beat that allowed me to go into these different dimensions. And I find that they are, I, and I have done psychedelic drugs, and I find that these experiences were far more powerful in my eyes and my mind because I couldn't sit there and go, oh, well, it was the drug that made me see that, or, you know, it was just the molecules of some psychedelic working on my brain and creating an image. And it's a, you know, and so you can disregard some of our thoughts from a psychedelic drug, but when you're not on any medication or any drug and you have full on visions and 3d experiences where you're like living out an experience that is hundred percent valid to me. In fact, it's more valid because it's like, how did that happen? You know, and so um, my first experiences was taking some of the courses through Michael Harner's school. If anybody's interested, shamanism.org is where I went to school. And um, you can, there's classes all over the world. So you can find classes in different countries as well as in the United States. And I just took it upon myself to just, I was, you know, you know, had a, a gravitation towards it. Like I, I wanted to experience it. So I just started taking these weekend workshops and I remember my very first workshop, it was so profound. It was like great spirit showed me something and says, this is where you're supposed to be. And my experience was so full on. Like I remember the teacher was like, there was a beginner class. Again, I had been already doing the training ahead of time with the book and the drumming and practicing almost every day, learning how to connect. So when it came to the full life, you know, experience with a live drummer, I think live drumming is a far more intense experience and a recording. It allowed me just to just, and I remember the, the first exercise, she says, we're gonna to go to the lower world. 
and we're going to go find a power animal. So she described the steps of how to go to this world and see an animal. And so, you know, unbeknownst to me, most people struggled with that because one, I think, and I'll talk about it more if you want about meditation. I had started meditating in my twenties because I heard about all these famous people, people that I looked up to people who were really productive in their lives meditating. And I'm like, what is this meditation stuff? So I really got into meditation and that really helped me with my shamanism because it allows me to still my mind so I can see beyond my thoughts. You know, so you th- think about a monkey mind and if you can't get past all that stuff here, I got to wa- you know, feed the dog. I got to pay that bill. I got to go wash the car. I got to go see that person. I got to do this. All that stuff is here. You have to part that and then go through and then you can see past those all that stuff, it's like in your field. And so meditating helped me do this work. So I was able to still my mind. And so when I was at this first experience, I remember um, the teacher just said, go find a power animal. And I went down I'm like, okay. And I was very you know, naive and you know, kind of like the full tarot card, just going into it blindly, like, okay, what are we going to do? And the next thing I know, I'm in this field and this um, big giant raven comes out and grabs me by the shoulders. And I'm like, what is going on? And I remember my body was lying in this classroom and I was aware of it being there, but I was distinctly aware of not being in my body outside of my body and having this experience where this creature grabbed me. And it was just this large Raven and brought me into this um, forest and dumped me in the trees, like in a nest and started feeding me different things like a, a flower and herb, a worm or something. And it was like this potion. And as I ate it in this uh, distinct order, I molted into a raven and I was like, what is happening? I could feel my heart rate because it was so real. I could feel my heart beating in my chest, yet I wasn't in my, my body. And all of a sudden I was like, whoa. And then the raven nodded at me. And I remember following this raven and flying and we went and we were going from tree to tree. And what I noticed is as we were going through the trees, they would look down and there'd be a tribe there. And I'd look at the tribe and I was like, well, you know, what are they doing? And they were performing uh, sacred rituals. And, you know, first I saw just basic rituals of like people worshiping like you would in like a Catholic church and kneeling and praying. And it was very, you know, uneventful. You know, you just see people kind of going through the motions. And then um, as we went further back, I noticed we were traveling back in time. And, and instead of the sun going from east to west, it was going the opposite direction. Like we were going back. The sun was moving back. And as we went further down, the, the people that I was observing became more primitive. And, you know, I saw their, their clothing change. They became more rugged. Their teeth became more sharp and more, you know, just, you know, just like um, ancient man. And as I did, the rituals became more and more grotesque, in my opinion. It was like they were a little bit more intense. Like they would do things like cut off heads of animals and drink the blood. I'm like, whoa, what the heck? But when I realized there was a reverence about it, it wasn't out of violence or anything. it was actually of creating awareness and realizing how life and how sacred life is. And by sacrificing an animal, it awakened people to realize the preciousness of life. And so I could see the other side of this ravenous technique. And actually, and you think about it, if you were in a church and they sacrificed an animal, everybody would be watching and paying attention and going, oh my goodness. And they'd be fully present. Unlike now they just read from a book and people are like, Ooh, going to go do this afterwards. I got it. Oh, look at my nails need to be filed, you know, (laughs) and they're not connecting. But when you do something like that, it was fully connecting people. And so I was following this and I was like, 
And then I recognized there was my ancestors and I was watching my ancestors all the way back to the ice age. And I remembered I was just following along and I was a bird. So nobody noticed me up into the very last segment of this, this vision. And of course I'm a blackbird in the white snow and the chief looked up and he saw us and he pointed to me, he says, you, and I looked at the other bird, like, Oh crap. I didn't know people could see us, you know? And he goes, come here. And I was like, what? And as I, he said that, he goes, I invite you to our circle. And just then I, as I saw that invitation, I stepped out of my raven form and jumped out of the tree and became human. And I started walking to this group and they said, and he told the group, we, we are here. Um, we have been um, blessed by an astral traveler. And he says, come, come to see us. And I just kind of nodded my head and he says, show us where you've been. And I took my arms out fully extended and I turned into a projector and everything that I had seen in my life was projecting out everything like 9-11, everything that my eyes had seen, everything, everything that was accumulated and downloaded to these people so I could see the future. And he looked at me and acknowledged it and said, thank you. And I remember he giving me this white stone and he says, and when it's your time, we'll be there to guide you. And just then the drums stopped and they said, come back. And I came back into that classroom. And that was my first experience with shamanism. It was so amazingly profound. And so the teacher looked at me when I shared it and I was, like I said, naive. And she's like, well, let's not try to do what Angie did. And I was like, what do you mean? And so then I heard the other people, because I was the first to raise my hand because I was so excited. And then I realized people struggled with connecting. And I was like, wow. But what I initially right away noticed was people didn't have the ability to stay still and didn't know how to meditate and clear their mind. And it wasn't that I was special or could do anything different. It was that I had trained my mind to stay still so I could see. So So what are some tips for us to train our minds other than, you know, just go meditate? Like how exactly do you meditate to get there to train your mind? You know, and I would say just like anything, you know how there's different kinds of yoga practices and you say, oh, I hated yoga, but then you try another kind of yoga and you're like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Well, actually, I really like that one, you know, and so you'll see that there's like exercise you might hate weight, weight training, but then you love to ride a bike or you love to dance or you love to swim. Just like that, there's many different forms of meditation. And so finding the one that's right for you. So I remember when I first was getting into meditation, I didn't know where to go. And some of my gurus talked about center point meditation. And that was just what, you know, and so I thought, well, that's easy. You just pay a, you know, use your credit card and get a CD sent to your house. I think now it's all digital, but back then it was CDs sent to you. I got them too. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so that was easy for me. So I said, well, I'll just play this CD and I'll meditate for 20 minutes. And I remember it was extremely difficult. So it was not easy for me. I wasn't like, oh, right out the gate. This was great. I hated it. I was such a go, go, go person. My whole life, I've just been a go, go, go kind of gal. And so I had two modes, sleep and go. And so if I wasn't going, I was sleeping. I had a problem. And I, I mean, I was in my 20s. And I remember having a problem that if I sat down at night to watch a movie, I'd fall asleep. <clears throat> it was just like, sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, I could not sit still. Like if I went to a concert, like especially like a symphony concert, good night, that put me to bed. And I was very embarrassed. I was like, as much as I wanted to listen to music, or I just couldn't do it. And I thought, and in my mind, I thought, this is really bad. I'm in my 20s. I thought, what am I going to be like when I'm 60, 70, 80? All I could think of is that, you know, that grandmother in the corner that was at a party sleeping, you know, 
I'm like, that's totally going to be me. I'm like, oh, I need to be able to sit still and keep my mind alert. And so the center point was my first step. And so I remember at first I sat down and it's right into two, three minutes, fall asleep, you know, the next day fall asleep. And I was just so frustrated. Like I remember doing a week of this and I was like three to five minutes falling asleep. I'm like, oh, and I almost gave up. And I'm like, no, I'm going to keep myself awake. So I was like listening to my body going, listen, you are going to stay awake, you know? And then the next thing I knew I was staying awake, but I was fidgeting. It was just like, I had a watch on my wrist. And I'd always open my eyes and check the time. Oh, 12 minutes, <clears throat> 14 minutes. Oh, come on time. You know, and I'd be like, and then I get 20 minutes. Good. I did 20 minutes and it was just struggle. And I just kept on doing it. And I was just like, I know this is good for me. I know I need to do this. And then it became, it's like a switch. I think it was like 20 days. It really took a long time. You know, it's like 21 days or so into it. All of a sudden I could sit there for 20 minutes, not having to look at the clock, not having to fidget my body and just let my body relax and not sleep, but stay in this space. And that's when this door started opening. So find a CD or find something on YouTube or find somebody that you can listen to that will keep you awake and practice every day. You know, and I found that I used to try to meditate at night and that was probably the worst time really, because that's when you're tired. So I would start meditating in the afternoon around two o'clock in the afternoon. I was pretty awake at that time. And that was a really great time. I was a trainer at the time. And so I'd work out in the morning, see all my clients. And by the afternoon, it was my time. So it was like, I was done with work. I didn't have to think about clients. And I just was like, okay, this is how I invite the rest of the day. It's just relax my mind, center myself and then move forward. So um, that's how I did it. So I used that, like I said, center point. And then I started finding uh, gurus in the area like yogis and learning about meditation techniques. And so I just kept on exploring. And so I'd always found I had my go-to meditation and then I was like, okay, what about that? And then I'd practice a new one. And if I didn't feel like I was getting results better than my previous one, then I would disregard it and go find another one. And then if I didn't do better than my other one, I'd go back to my original. And I just kind of kind of just searched for the answers to find the best meditation. And that's how it happened. What was your mind focusing on though? When you said that like 21 day mark, when you all of a sudden it started to click, you were able to relax. You weren't constantly looking at the watch and just like, oh, I got it. when am I done? What was your mind? You, did you have a mantra? Like what nope. helped nope. you control your mind from yeah. being the monkey mind? And so mantras are great. And so, you know, the analogy I have for a mantra, and it's, it sounds a little bad, but this is how, the analogy I have is that if you were in India at the uh, uh, farmer's market, and you wanted to go buy your vegetables and you had to take your elephant with you. You know, it's, so it's kind of that statement. You're like, what, Angie? But just bear with me with that statement. So if you had to go to the farmer's market with an elephant, your elephant would be very yeah, delighted with all the fruits and vegetables. And it would be stopping in all the booth and you'd be trying to drag this giant, you know, 10 ton, whatever, how much elephants weigh through the market. And you would be having a very difficult time. And that's kind of like the mind. It's like it, it stops and goes, oh, I need to think about this. And you're like, come on, mind, stop focusing on what you're not supposed to be focusing on, you know, and it's very challenging. So the analogy is if you went to the farmer's market and you put a banana in the elephant's trunk, you know, now it's happy and it's going to walk behind you with its banana and says, I'm, I'm good. And so that's how a mantra works. It's like you give your mind something to hold on to that's in line with what you're trying to do. So a mantra works in that way. But eventually you'll find that once you get past that, you can train your elephant to just walk through the market. So eventually it needs something to hold on to, to walk through. 
But then after it's been trained to walk through every day through the market, then the elephant knows, oh, this is what we do. I'm going to walk through the market and it's not distracted by all the booths. It's like, we just walk through this. And that's mm-hmm. what the mantra helps you. So when I got to that stage, it was like, you let go of the mantra and then you go past that. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's, if some people feel that scary because they need to hold on to something. I remember one time I had this powerful vision. I don't think I've ever shared it before. And it just came to me right now um, when I was meditating on what meditation was. And I remember seeing people on this path, trying to become enlightened, trying to do something different. And there was this big clearing and all these people were sitting in this field with a mantra. And the problem is they got stuck with the mantra and they couldn't move past that field. So that was it for them in the terms of meditation, because they had to hold on to something. They couldn't trust themselves and they couldn't let go. It's almost like fear. We can't let go of fear in our lives. And that's what holds us back. And so it was just like almost a dark scene of people stuck in a mantra. And I was like, wow, very few people can go past the mantra. And so, so true. And so, you know, I feel that you need to some, you know, use that mantra. It's a tool, you know, just like anything, you have to use tools to get to where you need to go, but all, it's like a recipe. You're going to bake a cake. You have to follow a recipe book because you've never baked a cake. But once you start baking cakes, you can let go of the recipe book. And then you see great chefs just did a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And you mix it all together. And you're like, that's amazing. How did that happen? You had to go beyond the book and go towards feeling intuition using your senses and going, I know how much of these things I need to add to create this experience. And so that's kind of the analogy is use the recipe book, use the recipe books that have been given to us by all these gurus and guides and people before, and then trust yourself to let go. And that's when you get to know mind. And all of a sudden you'll awaken and you'll have all these mind blowing experiences. And that's what my book's about. And it talks about talking to non-human beings, you know, these entities in space that came to me and started sharing information. I have conversations with my ancestors that I had never met and they were telling me about their lives. And these were people that nobody in my immediate family knew about. And when I started sharing it with my mom, she was like, well, I'll have to go dig deep into our relatives that are still alive, the oldest relatives to find out if this information is true. And lo and behold, they came back. Yes, that information I was getting was very true and very valid. So that's confirmation that there's this other world where we can we can access this information. Yeah, that's so brilliant. You know, when you were talking about the mantra and eventually it's a good place to start, but eventually to get to the place where hopefully you can let it go. I was thinking how, you know, every morning for almost two years now, I've been doing a little Tai Chi practice outside. And I don't even know if you'd call it Tai Chi anymore. It's kind of morphed into my own little thing that I'm doing. It's a little bit of nonlinear movement, which is just allowing your body to move innately and naturally. And uh, so a little bit of praying and some mantras in there. It's real deep communing with nature. Um, but one of the things for me that I learned is uh, actually from Paul is the four functions of consciousness, how there's thinking and feeling and intuiting and sensing. And prior to really getting into Paul's work deeply, I have been living for all of my life from primarily thinking one of the four functions of consciousness. I basically wasn't even using my senses, my sensations, and my, my intuition was super strong when I was a young girl, but I completely put a uh, gag on that 
mm-hmm. when, you know, when I was probably a teenager and, um, and intuiting and uh, feeling and sensing. So feeling, forget it, it wasn't safe to feel anymore. So what's happened in the last two years of my daily practice is that all these other parts of me are starting to now come online, um, which has been incredible experience. Talk about being more fully integrated and access to all of who I am. It's been a beautiful practice, but like you, it wasn't easy in the beginning. It was daily chore. It was responsibility. I kind of, you know, made my way through it because, you know, the ego doesn't want to let go, right? It's going to hold on tight to all your illusions and all these Mm -hmm. other things. Uh, But what I wanted to share was when you were talking about the mantra got you started, I was thinking how, you know, when, when people get too stuck on like telling their mind what to think, they're shutting out a lot of receptive ability of things to come in because you're so tunnel focused, right? You're closing off other things. If I had to sit there and listen to a mantra, how could I Mm. listen to the Raven? How could I listen to the chief? How could I listen to these people giving me messages? Because I'm like, no, I have to keep on saying I am love. I am light or whatever I'm Mm -hmm. saying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so it's like watching TV and trying to turn another one on and get the message from the other television. You can't. Yes. And it doesn't say that a mantra isn't a bad idea. And some people, that's all they need to keep themselves balanced in life. And they don't need to go further. So I don't want to discourage people who have a mantra, who love it, who are getting lots of benefits from that. It's working. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, you'll find that if if you're, if you're looking to go further and deeper, then you have to ditch the mantra. You know, you have to allow that to just unfold and just dissolve into that oneness of everything and keep a clear slate. And then I'm just listening. And all of a sudden, you know, and that's what it is. It's like listening to the silence. You might even hear the, you know, the sound of Om and the vibration of, you know, existence Mm. and creation, but it's amazing when you get there and, you know, and not listening so hard, like you're straining to listen behind a door, Mm -hmm. just being receptive is more like it, Mm -hmm. you know, because I think some people have to listen, they're straining so hard to hear Mm -hmm. some voice that's like maybe 20 miles away and they're trying to pick up on it. It's like, no, no. It's easier than that. You just have to let go and just be receptive and then trust that what you should hear is going to come to your ears. You can't hear a whisper if it's too loud. You know, it's, it requires a softening, a, a relaxation Absolutely. to let that subtleness in. And for me, it required me to drop down from my head into my physical body yes. to feel the sensations that were happening to me. I had to learn intellectually that you know, spirit and life and soul and source talks to us in different types of language, if you will. You know, it's not certainly not through just the organ of the brain. There's other ways of communication. And um, you just have to learn that language, which brings us back to your shamanism, um, which is interesting for me when I was doing my research to have you on the show that to learn that the shamans were the gatekeepers of sacred knowledge throughout all of human history. And Angie, would you say it's safe to say that the shamans are, are they the same as priests and priestesses? Because we hear of high priestesses yeah, and all that. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't say they're the same, but they're on, working on the same modality. We're, okay. They're working with a higher consciousness or different ways of looking at the world. So, mm-hmm. you know, and so priestesses, priestesses, they are using you know, ulterior motive, uh, you know, not motives, I would say, um, consciousness methods, you know, methods. methods. Mm-hmm. And then the, you know, they're not bought into the conventional things, you know, so I think to be a priestess, you have to say, 
I'm going to look elsewhere. And yes, the stuff that I'm using may work. You know, there's like, you know, I wouldn't disregard medical uh, hospitals and things like that. There's a lot of reasons why we have hospitals. And I, if I break my arm, please send me to the hospital. But there's things where I've learned that say, hey, I'm going to take care of my health at home with these natural things before I ever set foot in a hospital. So learning and distinguishing when to use certain things, that's what a priestess will do. It's like, hey, learn my tools and what is best for me now and not just jumping on board with everybody fear-based and says, you have to go do that. That's the only answer. And it's like, wait a minute, a priestess sits back and is discerning and says, I feel differently because I'm, I'm listening to other avenues. You know, as a shaman, a priestess may not do this, but a shaman will look at the nature and see information from nature. Like I'm constantly in communion with all the animals on in my property. And so I'm blessed to be on 14 acres and they communicate to me and I can, they will give me messages. Like when I'm searching for the right people to do work on the property, I get messages from the animals. Like the other day, we were trying to find the right person to do some work and we were struggling to see, gosh, is this person right? And when this one person came, a hummingbird started fluttering over their head. And I looked at it and I was like, thank you, hummingbird. And it let wow. me know that was the right person. And so messages are always coming through, but who is listening? You know, some people go, oh yeah, well those exist, but you don't see a hummingbird every day. You know, like for example, I see squirrels sometimes. And when a squirrel comes up to me and makes eye contact and looks at me, that's different than a squirrel who's running up and down the trees. And it's a message. And so for me, squirrel says, Hey, save some money because something's about to hit the fan and you're going to need extra cash for something. And I always listen. And sure enough, two, three weeks later, oh, the dishwasher breaks. Oh, the refrigerator breaks. Oh, you know, something happens where you need to spend money on something you weren't expecting. So those are messages and they know because we're all connected. You know, the owl will come into my field when there's it, it, it says, hey, Angie, something big is going about to happen. Don't be scared. We're watching you. You're going to be okay, but it's usually within two days. So that Al comes right to me and says, something is going to happen. And when we first moved here, I think, you know, the story about I, the Al came to my balcony and it was just hooting right there. I said, what in the world? And it kept it coming, swirling around and hooting through my window and hooting through a window. And I thought, oh my gosh, brace myself. Owl's here. But it's, it's also a good feeling because I know that the Al was it's letting me know I'm safe. So I was on hyper alert for a couple of days, like what is going to happen? And within two days, I remember I went out to the kitchen for lunch and I was um, with my daughter and you know, I was nursing her and I was looking out the window and I saw smoke and I thought, what is that smoke coming from? And because I had the message from Al, I was like, I need to check this right away. Yeah. And it was coming from the barbecue. And I was like, why is this barbecue on? And I turned it off because it was on, but it was very hot. And I kept looking and then white smoke started coming from the barbecue. I said, this is not okay. So I called 911 and they came up within six minutes. And what happened is the barbecue had been left on and it had burned. The framing of the barbecue was in wood and it had caught the wood on fire. And the uh, fireman came and says, had you not called us right when you called us, this would have caught the eaves of your house on fire and your whole house would have been burnt down. So it's because of these connections to these animals that I um, um, that gives me a sense of connection. I never feel alone and I'm guidance. And I'm like, I am always being watched, protected. And if I just pay attention. He's got goosebumps. <laughs> yeah. I'm right with you, Angie. That's just so beautiful because one of my questions was how we can help uh, explain to people how they can see signs, how nature talks to us. And you're already explaining it to us. 
um, so brilliantly. That is just, I have goosebumps. That story is amazing. But you know what? It requires paying attention and not being distracted with everybody's faces plastered in their cell phones all the time, right? right You've right. got to be able to have your attention aware of your environment and allow it in. So can you maybe tell us a little bit about your recommendation for that? Yeah, you know, uh, we live in this technology field and, it, and it's kind of scary because like my kids, they're two and, and five years old. And you, you can see how detrimental it is to a human brain. Because if I turn off the television for the kids, you ask them a question and they don't can't hear you. I'm like, hey, and they're like, they're just, you know, glued to it. And it engulfs them to the point where they're not even aware. I could be up there clapping my hands yeah. in front of them and they don't see me. And when I pause it, they're like, mommy, what are you doing? <laughs> and so they can't see something that obvious. So I'm like, so what would it take, you know, nature to do for us when we're all plastered to a screen and recognizing what am I missing out? You know, it's like, we've been taught to just what's on my phone, what's on my phone. And to the point where what's in your reality, you know, you see these videos I've seen that are really sad where mothers are on their phones and their kids are going, mommy, mommy, you know, and they don't notice what mommy they're doing. And, and I've seen kids where they're massaging the mommy's back and the mommy is completely unaware that their child is giving them love because they're so engrossed on the screen, just like a child watching television. And then you play back the video and said, did you, oh my gosh, I didn't even know my child was connecting to me. And, you know, there was, uh, there was a lot of research done on this where they asked children, says, what's more important, mommy's phone or you? And a lot of children mm -hmm. said, mommy's phone, because oh, she's sure. always on it. And she's like, they, it's obviously more important than me. And so I've learned that she's on, she's on the phone or touching her phone that I'm supposed to not be here or be quiet. And she's and so, but if mommy's always on the phone, I have to let mommy do that. And it's really a quite a sad thing. So learning how to disengage, turning the phone off, just spending time with the kids, being out in nature, you know, how many times do we just go outside and put our feet on the ground, you know? And so that's really important. I think that, you know, when we're touching these phones, they put off vibrational energy into your body, into your field, and it buzzes you. And, you know, and I have a, a belief that we get addicted to the buzz, you know, it's like an adrenaline buzz. And so when that starts to dissipate out of your field, you reach for your phone again to get an extra dose. It's like a drug. It's like, wait, I need a buzz again. And so we get addicted to that feeling. And so when we take the phone out of our hand and go outside for a walk and take our shoes off, we allow the EMFs to come out of our body and our body starts to become still. I know there was times like I've been on my phone a lot, you know, especially with the pandemic and you know, oh my gosh, what's going on? And I need to research, I need to do this. And I just recently, this is about a couple months ago, I remember I had spent a lot of time that week on the phone because of all the information. And I just could, I got addicted to it because I was like, I need to know. And I went into the sauna and I allowed myself to slay in the sauna. And it was like when it was quiet and it was, you know, dark and I, and I could feel my body just relaxing. There was this buzz in my ears that I hadn't been aware of. And it was, and I'm like, I could feel that buzz of all that energy being surged through me. You know, and I'm, I realized that is so dangerous for our fields. You know, if we're, you know, we're an energetic being and you're infusing yourself with that kind of energy, you know, that's disrupting signals, messages, even not just so much as being connecting to, you know, these other worlds, but how our body's supposed to pump and circulate blood and how we're supposed to breathe properly. So we're inviting disease because we're revving up the system into these levels that are not normal for our tissues. And I think the real danger, Angie, is, is that becomes our new normal. We don't even realize we're in this 
artificially hyper state of revved up because it becomes normal. It's like when you finally get a massage after like, I don't know, just not getting a massage for a long time. And that became normal for your body to feel tight in certain spots. And then until somebody, you know, loosens it up and gets your stuff flowing, you're like, oh my God, I didn't realize how tight I was. So like you, when you went into the sauna, you had something different to experience. So I would suggest that we need to, to set practices and rituals and, and habits that will help return us back to how we want to be. Otherwise, yes. we don't realize that how we are being is really not truly who we are and isn't really healthy or normal. Right. Yeah. So like your meditation practice, like my morning Tai Chi practice, like getting barefoot in nature, like having rules to, you know, no screen time or at least at dinner with the family and there's no phones allowed at the table or whatever it may be that you, you give yourself certain discipline rules of, okay, when I walk after dinner with my children, there's no phones. We just talk and we look right. at the trees and we feel the air and, you know, just, we have to set our own boundaries to protect ourselves. Otherwise all this stuff becomes normal and we don't even realize we're in it. Right. You know, and it's so much deeper than just what we've talked about. You start thinking about just lifestyle practices and drinking pure water. You know, people don't drink water and the solution to pollution is dilution. And so with the EMFs, they're so dehydrating. We need exactly. And so we need water to cleanse our field. And so how many people drink fresh water and you find out a lot of people don't It's like, I have coffee, I have tea, I have juice, you know, and that they don't drink water. And so I always ask them, I say, you know, if you're going to wash your clothes, would you wash them in Red Bull? You know, and they look at me and go, no, would you, if you're gonna wash your dishes, do you going to put an iced tea in the, in the machine? And they laugh at me and they realize, no, you need fresh water. I'm like, so does your body. If you want to keep this machine clean, you got to use fresh water. And a lot of people don't. And so it's just simple things of getting back to the basics. And what are we eating? Well, if you're eating a bunch of processed commercial food with additives, preservatives, dyes, all of those are chemicals and they're buzzing the body. And then you're getting addicted to those chemicals and you don't realize, gee, I'm trying to meditate now and I'm not feeling anything. Angie said in 21 days, well, how come I'm not feeling anything? The signal gets disrupted. Right. And so uh, we have analogy we use in the HLC training and it's the guy who's sitting in a house and he's trying to watch television and you see this uh, antenna on the roof. And so the analogy is that if you're trying to connect to the cosmos, you know, connect to Wi-Fi or whatever it is, well, how good is your signal? Well, it's based on the structure, you know, what the, uh, how good of the antenna you're using and what it's made out of, right? So if you have cheap materials, you're going to get a fuzzy television show. So you think about our body. If we have poor posture, their structure is out of balance. So if you're sitting in really bad positions all day long and then trying to meditate, it's like meditating with a crooked antenna. Your spine is your antenna. And if you're eating Doritos and, you know, cupcakes all day long, well, that's, that's the substance it's made out of. How are you going to connect when you don't have good material? And so it goes to that level of recognizing everything we do in our day is helping us either connect or disconnect. And it's our choice. I love it. You know, you're getting into uh, two of the six foundational principles from the Czech Institute. So would you mind sharing with us what they are and, and continue with the other four? Yeah, for sure. So when we talk about foundation principles, it's a term coined by Paul Czech. And so he, my husband says, when you work on anything, you need a foundation. You think about a house, you know, and you think about what it's made on, you know, and it's like, if you have a poor foundation, you can't build very high. 
You might get one story house on a poor foundation, but you definitely can't put two or three or four stories on it. So the foundation is the most important part of the structure. So what is our foundation as being human? And so we think about thoughts. Thoughts are our foundation. So thinking, our thoughts, if they're negative, how can you do anything positive in your life if you're constantly bombarded by negativity? And so that's a whole probably episode again for you because, yes, it is. you know, you think about how, you know, they say they have 68,000 thoughts a day, 90% of which are negative. And so we're bombarded by, yeah. So if you turn on the television, there's negative thoughts. You turn on the TV, the radio, all of those negativity. Social media. And then what we've been hearing all our lives, maybe from a childhood or parent or teacher said, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You can't dance right. You can't sing right. All those thoughts are still bumping around in your head and you're believing them. And so we're enlivening those thoughts. So getting those thoughts out. And so again, HLC training would be needed to go through all that. It's a five-day course on HLC two, where we go into the mind and we talk about how to get rid of those negative thoughts. So just being mindful of your thoughts. And when you hear a negative thought coming into your mind, disregard it. You know, it's like um, we talk about Dan, uh, Don Miguel Ruiz with his um, book about the four agreements. And he has that conversation with his son and his son says, dad, I have these, I feel like um, there's these two dogs in my head and they're always fighting. You know, there's one dog that has all these wants to do good. And he's always about helping others and, and doing the best thing in life. And the other dog that says, just cheat and still uh, to get what you need. And they're arguing all the time. And he says, you know, I don't, I, I, what do I do dad about these two dogs? And his dad says, um, which dog will win dad? And he says, the dog that wins is the dog you feed. So you have to feed the good thoughts and, and disregard the negative and just say, let that go. So thinking is critical. Okay. So positive thoughts, um, breathing is critical. You know, our breath, you know, we think about Wim Hof training. If people haven't learned about Wim Hof, they can do a search on him and talk about breathing techniques and learning how your breath can save your life. Wim Hof is taught us that you can go naked up into the highest elevation in the snow and, and you can live by controlling your breath. And so, you know, learning that you can control it in hot, cold, in any climate. So breath is critical. So when we allow our breath to speed up, <laughs> hyperventilating because we're mm. stressed about life, uh, that can eat us up. And but so we're that, not breathing. <laughs> we stop our, breathing or we're breathing from the neck, you know, yes. not even breathing properly. <laughs> right. So not mm. having so too much, too little. It's about balance. And mm. so learning how to breathe correctly. And if you don't know how to breathe, like I said, find a Czech practitioner. We, mm -hmm. we teach people how to breathe. Uh, so learning about Wim Hof methods, finding someone who does that. And so learning the essential of breath and we're not taught that. In fact, most people don't know. I, and I can just tell people right now, if they're listening, put one hand on their chest and one hand on their belly and take a nice big inhale and feel what's happening to your hands. And most people will say, my belly goes in when I inhale. And that's an inverted breathing pattern. And that's a stress breathing. So they bring in and their belly goes in. But reality, you should be breathing out. So when you inhale, you should have your belly expand and then your chest. So it should be two thirds belly and one third chest. In that order too. In that order. Mm -hmm. And so some people say, I don't feel any chest or I only feel chest. Yes. And so those are all breathing disorders. And so getting your breathing dialed so that your body can go back to balance. So we have thinking, we have breathing, we have eating that we've talked about. We have drinking that we talked about. The next one is moving. And so body is designed to move. We're not designed to sit all day long. And you think about today's life, we sit on the couch, 
We drive a car to work, we sit at the office, we go home, we go to bed and we don't move. So movement is critical as a human. And so we need to exercise and pump our body. You know, you think about the heart, well, we have that pumps the blood. But if you look at the lymphatic system, what pumps the lymphatic system? There isn't a lymphatic pump in the body. The pumping of the lymphatic system happens through movement. So every time you move your arm, every time you move your leg, all that is necessary to keep all the fluids moving. And the last six foundation principle is sleeping. So sleeping is critical. And, you know, in today's day, we've been taught to go, go, go. And, you know, it's almost a badge of honor to have less than four hours of sleep and keep on going and look at me, I'm doing fine. I just need some coffee and I, I keep on moving. But the reality is if you stop drinking the coffee, you'll realize how tired your body is. And we'll find that most people need at least seven hours at night. Some people need more quality too, not waking up 20 million times. (laughs) Right. Minimum. So more Mm -hmm. average is eight. Some people can do well with seven. But mm-hmm. children need nine, 10, sometimes up to 12 hours of sleep, which they're not getting to grow. Mm-hmm. And so sleep is so, you know, you know, not what I could say, people to talk about and say, oh, it's not necessary, but it's, it's so necessary. It's so, so, so necessary. And I think that we're designed to keep on going. Why? Because if we're going, we're making more money and we're paying more taxes and we're spending more money and all that stuff. And that's what the world wants us to do. Don't sleep. We can't make any money on someone sleeping. Get up, go do something, you know? <laughs> so and Yes. And rather than look to a over-the-counter pill or something for a sleep aid, maybe look at your life and consider what in my environment can be contributing to why I'm not sleeping well. well you know, like you've Correct. been talking about the electromagnetic rays are Number, number one, you know, you're getting blasted and which disrupts your, your electricity and your very body. Um, so there's a lot of information out there on to help you sleep naturally the way we were designed to sleep through for millions of years, you know. So yeah. the more you can recreate that type of environment, which sure as hell doesn't involve any technology around your body when you're sleeping is critical. Correct. And exposure you know. to light, all that stuff. It's all, and all that information is out there. Absolutely. Like you said, like the Apple watches and stuff, it'll tell you if you're sleeping well, but reality is you can't sleep as well as if you didn't have it on. You, you I was just going to say, that's part of the problem. That things part on of the your problem, wrist. you know, yes. and, you know, if you're learning about, if you're interested in Wi-Fi and uh, radio mm. technology and how it affects the body, uh, Dr. Ibrahim Kareem um, has great books out there and talking about it. His study is biogeometry and you can go to biogeometry.com and that people can learn about the effects of nature and the effects of 5G and, and Wi-Fi and routers. And he suggests to move your head at least 12 inches from the, the wall at night because there's so much electrical panels and circuitry in mm-hmm. our walls. And if you can't move your bed further away, at least put a pillow between your head and the wall so it muffles and buffers all that stuff coming out of the wall. You know, mm-hmm. so in addition to that, turning off your television, not just turning it off, but unplugging it because our mm-hmm. TVs are always on. And so removing all those things that create buzz in our room, you know, like lights. And so the alarm clock light, the VCR light, or DVD recorder mm-hmm. light, whatever they have now, you know, mm-hmm. all these lights, um, those send subtle information to stimulate cortisol production. And so any light that hits your skin says, wake up. And so we look around our room and you see, oh yeah, there's four or five different lights. There's a TV, mm-hmm. there's my Wi-Fi router, there's my phone. Oh, I live next to some, you know, telephone poles, you know, so you see all that stuff and you wonder why am I not sleeping? Well, all of that is contributing to why you're not sleeping. 
Yes, I like to tell people it's at night in your bed, you should not be able to see your hand in front of your face, about a foot in front of your face. If you can see your hand, it's too bright. And to your point about light, you know, people put on face masks, you know, the eye mask things. But as you mentioned, your, your skin has photon receptors in every cell. Right. So any part of your skin that's exposed to light can disrupt your sleep patterns. Right. So, and, and all this stuff is low tech, you know, it's, it's free. Doesn't you don't cost need anything. to, you don't yeah. need to buy anything. And guess what? There's no side effects either. So, right. you know, but these are all except things for sleep. That, yeah, well, <laughs> what I mean is by doing, yeah, by doing these things, you know, you know, taking a drug that God knows what else is going to do to you. But yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the six foundational principles from the Czech Institute, and, and as Angie's referring to, HLC stands for Holistic Lifestyle Coach Program, which is a three-level program that anybody can take, and it's available online too, right? And Angie, you are the head of the whole program, right? You're the master Correct. trainer. Yes. So it is Paul's work, but I do mm -hmm. um, teach it. And so um, level one is online. So anybody can take that. Paul's teaching it. And I have segments in there to kind of wrap up the subject so people understand it a little bit more deeply. And then HLC2, I just recently recorded and it should be out by the end of this year. And so now you'll be able to take that online as well. Of course, you can take these courses in person. The reason why we did them online is because with now with lockdowns and things, people want to study and learn and they can't get to our classes. So um, it gives them and they need them more than ever. <laughs> Correct. So uh, level three is still only in person, but you can still get level one, level two training now online, which is great. And you can do them in the you know comfort of your own home. And the nice thing is, you know, Paul has a lot of information when you hear him speak. And sometimes when you see him live, you're like, whoa, 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 wait, rewind, rewind. You want to keep on raising your hand. You're like, oh, just let him talk. And yeah. when you watch it online, you can rewind them as much as you want, which is True. great. <laughs> I never thought of it like that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually trained and certified in HLC uh, too. And I will share with people like you, I started as a personal trainer three decades ago. Uh, but when I was trained through the Czech Institute, it's it was life-changing for me, not to mention career changing. I mean, that was the big game changer because Paul is the grandfather of coaching in general, lifestyle coach came from Paul. Before that, you know, 30 years ago, you're a personal trainer, you were about, you know, abs and six packs and doing squats and pushing it and weights. And, you know, you didn't get into anything with nutrition or God forbid, sleep or lifestyle or anything that we're talking about. So the Czech program is truly the trailblazer. And the one that works because we are dynamic organisms. We are in a vacuum of it's just about working out all the time to be fit and healthy and happy and fulfilled and to age gracefully in all of these things. We know now that you have to look at your diet. You have to look at your sleep, all the foundational principles that, that you have listed and that the program teaches. So I love that it's available to anybody, even if you're not going to be a coach or use it just for your own personal knowledge, you know, right. I mean, just to help you, the quality of your life. It's a beautiful offering to the world. How exciting that you're a huge part of it. Yeah. So really you know, the coach is because you have to coach yourself first. There you, you know? go. And then if you want to coach others, great, but the information is necessary for all living beings. And so if you're really trying to get yourself in shape and healthy and, and being able to meditate or become more into, you know, learning about shamanism, get your body healthy. And that's going to give you all the tools you need to get your body healthy. There you go. Because not only are you the source, but it's your vehicle, right? And mm -hmm. like you were saying about the antenna, I love that analogy is how, 
how uh, good is your signal that you're receiving going to be when it's like having a, it's like looking in your uh, car rear view mirror and the mirror is dirty. How well are you going to see behind you if the mirror is dirty, right? So use the foundational principles, clean up your diet, your lifestyle, your thinking, your water, all that, and watch how the signal starts to change. And, uh, and plus you're going to be the change that you want others to see as well. You know, you can't argue with results and success, right? And you've got to always consider the source mm-hmm. of who you're learning your information from. Correct. So speaking of that, Miss Superwoman, <laughs> share with us how you do it all, Andy, how you do it all. You are the most amazing mother. Your children are probably two of the most gorgeous, beautiful children I've ever seen on the planet. They are the epitome of healthy. They should be on the cover of every cereal box. <laughs> and, you know, you're doing it while you, you know, just doing all this other stuff you do. So what would you like to share with all the moms listening who are trying to keep it all together, take care of themselves, take care of their kids. Maybe they've got a job, a partner, a home, whatever. What are your secrets, Angie? Well, I would say as a mother, the first thing you need to do is be easier on yourself. You know, when I first became a mom, I was a late mom. I didn't have my first till I was 40. And so, you know, I was used to living a life of just doing whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted you know, and I didn't have anything to hold me back. He was like, I want to go on vacation. I just took off. If I wanted to stay up late, I just stayed up late. If I want to get up early. I got up early. But then when you're a mom, you can't just do these things like, Oh, I have a child to do that. I have to watch that the child's sick or your child needs attention or child's teething or child. And so you realize that you don't have the um, free wherewithal to do everything you wanted before. And in that, you know, no matter how old you are, I think that that comes as a shock. It's like, you don't realize how much time a child takes until you're really mothering. And I, you know, I was, the reason my book isn't out yet, by the way, is because when I was writing it, this was back in my thirties and I was kind of writing it. And I thought, Oh, you know what? I'll just finish this when I have the baby because the baby's going to sleep all the time. And then I can take all this time to finish my book. And I remember saying that in class one time I was teaching and all the mothers laughed at me and I was like, what? And they were just like, Oh, you'll see. And I was in a rude awakening realizing, yeah, the child may sleep a lot, but it's unpredictable if he's going to sleep 10 minutes or 20 minutes or an hour. And so you really can't count on a set time. And so to write a book, you need to have, you know, all your paperwork out and your, your thoughts collected and put in order. And the time you do that, the baby's awake and you're like, oh my God, it's not the same. So I never finished my book. And now that my youngest is two, I'm trying to, you know, you know, finish this book that I've written, but I think the best information I can give someone is, um, like I said, be easier on yourself. I remember I, when the child, when Mana was first born, I was used to doing a million things. And so when he came around, I couldn't, and I would get very frustrated. And then I found myself taking it out on him. Like I was upset, you know, and I didn't take it out in any physical or anything, but emotionally I was upset, like mm, this child. And then I, I realized my behavior, my action. I'm like, wait a minute, this is not my child's fault. This is a newborn, beautiful baby coming into the world, you know, and it's, it's not his fault that I can't do these things. And then I realized it's because I'm trying to do too much. And I realized I needed to ease my role, you know, and slow back and say, listen, what's most important. So I started creating these lists. And I, before, when I'm a coach, I tell people, create a list of three things you need to do every day. And so I'd have, you know, those are the most important. So I'd have like, I'd have people uh, organize as A, B, and C. A is the most important three things on that list. B are the things you'd like to do if the A items have done. And then the C is, I would love to read this book or do all these other things, but that's not important. So prioritize your day and what's the most important. 
But as a mother, I say, shorten that list even further to one most important thing. So it's like one thing on that list, that A list has one thing, because at the end of the day, you go, ah, I was able to do it. And you feel good about what you accomplished. Yeah. And most of, you know, I always used to feel defeated, like, oh my gosh, I didn't get to do all these things. And now I'm like, mm-hmm. if I had one, I felt amazing. Cause it was like, that's what I had told myself I needed to do. And if I got a few things done on the B list, that's great. But I didn't feel that same internal pressure of doing so many things. And so that was a huge shift in my mindset. It's like, I remember when he was just a little baby, I, one day it was like, I just have to pick up his birth certificate at the County, you know? And so it was like, that was all I really had to do. And so it was like, I remember going and doing that and I felt accomplished, but previously I'd be like the birth certificate and then do this and then did that and run to target and, 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 you know, you know, the list goes on and on. And then I couldn't do it all. And then I get frustrated. So at that moment, I realized one thing. So and you'll see that it, it, things do get done. It just, you have to just, rem- every day, what's the most important thing for de- today? One thing on the list, that's it. And I found that I was much more productive and much more happy because I wasn't frustrating myself. Because when you get frustrated, nothing gets done. And then you have all this angst. And, and we talk about thinking, my thinking was out the window and I wasn't, and even if I had time, I was too frustrated to do it because I was venting. <laughs> and so that's the most important thing is to just ease up on yourself and say, you know what? I'm not the person I was yesterday, but I can still be a great person today. And my my most important thing is this young child. And that's what I'm going to put my priority on and everything else, it will get done. And that's brilliant. Brilliant. And how about carving out self-care? How do you do your, how do you prioritize your own self-care? And and that can change. Like I remember like, for example, self-care for me is exercise. And I would get frustrated because that, you know, the child, I can't go to the gym anymore. I can't do this. I remember when Mana was little, I would strap him on me in this one of those little you know, chest things and I would hold him on me and I would go work out and I'd do my cable swings and I'd do with my, him on you with me. And he loved the feeling of that movement. So it was great for him. It was great for me, but then he got bigger and he didn't want to sit in the harness, you know, it was just like, I want to go do something else. And so then I had to get the bouncy thing next to me. And mm-hmm. so he would bounce, you know, and he would play with his little activity center. And, but then, you know, a child's, you know, attention span, maybe 20 minutes is what I would get. So I had to be very productive in the gym and say, that's all I can do. And I, I think the key is to keep on modifying. It's like, you think this is the only way I can work out. And if I can't work out this way, I can't work out. And I remember that you get rigid in your thoughts. Like I can't go to the gym, yes. therefore I'm stuck. And now I'm, I can't work out. And that's because my child won't let me. So instead I thought, wait a minute, I can work out. I just can't work out the way I'm used to working out. So it was like, well, what can I do? Oh, well, I'll put the child in the stroller and I'll go walk the hills in my area. And so I take him and he had great fun looking at all the houses and cars and I got my workout in. And so it became a walking exercise. And so I just make it challenging with hills, you know, and so it's modifying that. And so it gets bored with the hills. Okay, we'll go to the beach. And now he's excited because he has a different scenario to look at. He's excited to see all the dogs and things on the beach and we'd go walk the beach. And so constantly changing. And, and then it's like, then they get old enough where they don't want to be in the stroller. And you're like, now what? And then I'd go, let's go to the playground. And so instead of being one of those mothers who just sat down and watched your kids play or being on your phone while your kids are playing, I get my ditch the phone and I would go on the playground with the kids. And it's a great workout. I do the monkey bars. I would do pull-ups. I would do chest presses. I would do, you know, you know, whatever crunches I would walk, you know, lunges across the playground. 
And the kids were like, mommy's playing with me. This is great. And so at the end of the playground session, you're exhausted because you got your workout in the kids exhausted and it becomes a great day. So it's all about reinventing yourself. And so I think children, as soon as you get a groove on, they change, you know, and it's like, Oh, they're onto the next stage. And as soon as you figure it out, it's like, Oh, now they're into something else. And so it's constantly evolving yourself and constantly saying, how can I make this better? How can I do this differently? It's like meditation. I used to meditate. My favorite time was two o'clock in the afternoon. That is not a good time for kids unless they're napping, but now Mana doesn't nap. So it's like, that doesn't work for me. So when do I meditate? I meditate at 10 o'clock at night again, but now I'm a seasoned uh, meditator. So I know how to stay present at that time. I have my uh, meditation chair right in my room. The kids are asleep. I go meditate for half an hour. It calms my mind, centers me and I sleep so much better. And so that's what I learned to do. So I'm like, okay, this is working now. So, you know, it might change later and I might have to re-change that as well, but being open to change. And that's critical. It's just saying, how can I do this? Don't give up. Just say, what can I do? And, you know, we think about exercise. It's not always about the gym. It's like, you can hike, you can jump, you can swim. Swimming is a great thing. I do a lot of swimming with the kids now. It's like, you know, I take Zoe and I throw her in the air and, th- you know, I do that with Mana too. And he's a lot heavier and that's a great upper body workout. You're like throwing your kid and letting him swim and then going underwater and doing somersaults, handstands in the pool. I teach him how to hold the wall and do kicks. And we're doing these little kicks and scissor kicks and all these different kinds of things. And they think it's super funny and enjoyable and I'm getting a workout. Brilliant. So what I'm hearing you say is, you know, being creative, being open-minded, being receptive to new ways of doing things and adapting, adapting to the reality that's in front of you and not getting so fixed and rigid, which is only going to lead to more anxiety, more frustration, more (laughs) anger that you, you know, you don't want to misplace on the wrong little individual. So that's brilliant advice. And it's obviously working beautifully for you because as I mentioned in the beginning of the show you are a master manifester so is there any last tip you want to give us on manifesting someone that you would say to somebody on you know that has things that they have on there I heard you say in, on one of your interviews that um and one of your trainings you had done uh back in the school that you took with the guy from the secret oh yeah uh, yeah John Asaraf, I took that and he actually had this having it all challenge. Um, Uh So, and uh, that was, gosh, probably close to, I think it was in 2012 or something. So about 10 years ago now. Uh And so it was, he had this group, I think there was 50 students and they were all over the world. And so we had this challenge and we were all working on these different segments of our life from, you know, from business to you know, wealth, to eating, to all these different things and relationships, all of that was included. And then there was a, a winner. So I think he had five winners and I was one of the winners in his competition. And the reason why I feel is because he teaches these tools of manifestation and what it is, is writing them down. That's important. stating them out loud. That's also important because you have to, you're, it's like the universe is always listening and it's a sounding board for our, our thoughts and our voice. And when we say, I am going to the universe says, Oh, you know, they want to do this in the future. It's yeah. So, so now, you know, so part of manifestation is not just saying I'm going to, but I am in the process of becoming. Mm -hmm. So we call it the grand Canyon test. When you say, I want to be a doctor, I want to be a coach. I want to be whatever it is you want to be. 
I want, I want, I want is what the canyon hears. And that's just saying in the future at some date, that's never going to happen. So instead it says, I am a coach. I am in my ideal body weight. I am. And so even if you think, oh my God, it's not true. It's becoming true because you're stating it as such. So if it's hard for you to say, I am thin because you're saying I have 30, 40 pounds to lose. You say, I am in the process of becoming thin. And so now it states it as it's becoming true now. And so your, your, your wording is very, very important to saying, how am I speaking? How am I sharing my truth? And so if you say, I would like to, well, I like to means that's probably never going to happen, but I am. And so listening to how you, you portray yourself, like I was in a competition, the one before this winning this competition, I actually won another competition with my mind and it was a body transformation competition. It was in the year 2000 and it was in a magazine. And this was a time when I had graduated from college in 98 and two years out of, I was gaining a lot of weight. I was not healthy. I was working at that dog food, cat food company. Um, so it was a very plush job, took us out to eat a lot, you know, just, a, you know, a, a, they donuts every morning for free, you know, so I was eating a bunch of garbage because it was free. And, mm -hmm. you know, they were trying to honor us as uh, employees by, you know, celebrating food and things, but they weren't the best choices. And so I remember saying, I need to get myself in shape. I started having health challenges. I went to the doctor because I thought I had a brain tumor because my sometimes I couldn't Ooh. even form sentences. It was so bad. Wow. And I'm like, why can't I speak right now? Why? What's going on with me? What? So I found out I had um, low blood sugar. And I was, I uh, was actually hypoglycemic. And so the doctor says, Angie, you're borderline diabetic. He says in two, wow. three years, you will have diabetes. And I love this doctor because at that time he said, you need to exercise and eat right. And that's what he told me instead of here's, some, here's some metformin, you know, and here's some drugs. Yeah. And, and I realized he was correct. And I said, I need to hire a trainer and I need to start getting myself in shape. And so I started reading magazines. So this is a a key thing that most people need to do is get inspired, read books, some people who are in your field or read stories of people who have success stories. I would read fitness magazines because they were success stories. Look at them. They're in great shape. What do they do? And in magazines, they say, this is what they eat. This is how they exercise. And I would start emulating them. You know, I even cut pictures of them out and say, and put them in my workstation at work to remind me of who I wanted to be. And so when, and then it was like, oh, I don't feel like working out. And I'd see them going, no, no, this person would go to the gym. I am going to the gym and I may not push myself hard, but I'm going to pump my body because I know it needs it. And so that's how it started. So I, I was reading a magazine. There was a competition and I said, I'm going to enter this competition because that will motivate me to stay focused. So it was a three month competition. You know, the ones with the body for life kind of ones. Yeah. It was a transformation. You had your newspaper in your hand and you'd say, yeah. and you had, had to have the date. So you, anywhere mm -hmm. in the world, they could see and read the date. And after mm -hmm. three months, you'd hold another newspaper in your bikini or your bathing suit. And you would say, what date is it? And how I look. And so lo and behold, when I entered that competition, I told everybody I was going to win. So I said, I'm the winner of this competition. Not I would like to win. I'm mm -hmm. going to win this. I am the winner. And people thought I was crazy, you know, and you'll find that when you have a passion for something, all these naysayers will come out and tell you why yeah. you're not going to do it. Like Angie, you're only five foot two. They're going to want a fitness bottle. They're at least five foot six. Your you know, legs are too short and stubby. You've got glasses back, back then. I used to have so much sugar in my diet. My eyesight was really poor. Well, wow. now I don't wear contacts. I have about 20, 20 vision. 
because I took out all the processed food, all the sugar, sugar dramatically affects your eyes. Mm -hmm. And so as I started cleaning up my diet, my eyesight improved. I kept on going to the doctor and the doctor's like, your eyes are getting better. What are you doing? You're like, it's so unheard of, you know? And so during this transformation, I just, you know, told everybody and there was temptation. It's almost like when you have a dream, the devil comes out and goes, really? How bad do you want it? You know? Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's like, it will tempt you. It's like, I remember I love donuts. They were at my job. Remember? And I really had to pull myself out of that and not go into certain rooms where they had the donuts. And I, I remember I was like a month into my competition, donut free, feeling so good, went to get my nails done and sitting in the beauty supply place was a box of donuts right next to my station. Like, you know, there's like six, seven booths, eight booths in there for free. Station. For free. And I said, I looked at the girl. I said, what are those doing there? She's oh, honey, someone brought them in today. Go ahead. Have one. They're free. I said, oh, no, no, no. She was, oh, you can use the knife and cut a little piece off. You can just have a little bit. It's okay. And I was like, no, but I had to smell donuts for the entire time. Mm. My manicure, pedicure was there for an hour smelling donuts. And I was like, oh my gosh, torture. But what happened is when I left and I refused the donuts, it made me feel empowered. It was like, and it was like, I realized that every time I said no, my no became stronger. Mm -hmm. I was like, I can do this. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, fast forward this competition, um, I ended up winning this competition. There was 30,000 people in that competition. And I didn't even know, you know, and it's like, (laughs) had I known there was that many people, I would have never even joined. I'd be like, that's crazy. I'm not going to win. Wow. They told me, and I was like, just mind blown. And they said, you are the winner. And I was like, wow. But I set my mind to it and said, I'm going to win. So, you know, I had learned that technique in the the year 2000. So when I took this class from John Asra, I remember applying what I already knew And then he taught more visualization skills. Like he would say, sit down in your favorite chair at night and visualize your dream, whether it be a new home or a new car or a new relationship and feel what that feels like. See it, feel it. Like if you think it's a car, feel your hands on the leather steering wheel, feel the wind blowing in your hair, feel what it feels like to turn the knob and turn on the radio, feel that acceleration of, you know, that speed and power of that new car and enliven it with your emotions. Embody it embody it. And so mm-hmm. every day when you did that, it becomes more true because you're like, I, I want this. And so the universe again, sounding board and says, Oh, they want this car. And it's amazing how this works because the universe is always listening, you know, mm-hmm. and I real quickly, I'll tell a quick story about my mom. She does this. And sometimes she doesn't even know. And I was like, mom, look at you're manifesting. She was going on a trip to Mexico and she, um, she had told me, she was, Angie, I'm seeing my family. I haven't seen them for a while. And the trip is about five hours long. So she said, I spent the money to get first class tickets so I could sit in first class. I said, oh, mom, that's amazing. You deserve it. And she kept on talking about it. Oh, I can't wait to see my family and eat the warm nuts in my seat with my little glass of wine. And, and she had was man, you know, manifesting it every day and making it real. And you know, I thought she just bought the ticket. So this is going to happen. Well, the day before she had to go, I was visiting her because she was going to be gone for a couple of weeks. I said, oh, I'm going to come visit you before you go. She's like, you know, I'm really bad with electronics. Can you go ahead and log me in online and check my baggage for me? I said, yeah, sure, mom. So we went in and I all of a sudden I said, seat 12. I said, mom, you're at seat 12. That's not first class. And she goes, no, well, I, I paid the money. I said, what do you mean? She goes, she goes, well, it's asked me when I was buying the ticket, if I wanted to upgrade for $99, I said, mom, 
it's not just $99 to be in first class. I said, mm-hmm. what you upgraded is for extra leg room. And I said, so you're on the first uh, window, you know, the aisle with emergency aisle. So business class. Business class. I said, so that's what you paid for. And she's like, but I, I wanted to be in first class. Oh, and I said, well, no. I understand, but this is what she was. I've been thinking about it every day. And, I, and I, <laughs> I'm so sorry, mom. I said, but you know, it'll be much more comfortable. And so she's like, she was disappointed, but she's like, okay. So lo and behold, the next day comes and she calls me when she gets to Mexico and she goes, you'll never believe what happened. I said, what? She goes, they overbooked the flight and they called my name and they said, you know, we need your seat. We're going to bump you to first class. (laughs) And so that's how it works. If you believe in it, it doesn't matter how it's going to happen. You say, I don't have the money or this. She didn't even know she thought she had bought it, but she manifested it by every day thinking about it. And nobody else I can guarantee you was thinking about that first class more than her. And it was like, the universe is that one. And voila, it opened up for her. It resonated. And that's how the law of attraction works that's right there. It, works. it has the same attracts same. You have to get on that frequency for it to even hear you. Yeah, there's a great book that I'd like to share about, um, about this that I just recently read. And it's great. It's about a doctor. Um, Dr. James Doty, and it's called Into the Magic Shop. And I listened to it on Audible. It's great. And it talks about everything I'm talking about now and how this kid came from nothing in a house with, you know, drug addict parents, suicidal mom, depression. He was destined to go nowhere in his life based on his circumstances. And he meets a person who teaches them how to manifest and teaches you the techniques in the book. And he believed in himself, even though there, he had not a chance in hell based on his, you know, history and his, his surroundings. And because he continued to believe he was accepted into med school, he said he, I mean, just, I don't want to ruin the story, but like, there was one point where he said, I've sent in my application. I didn't have the application fee. It was like a hundred, $200 to pay. He didn't have that. He says, I just sent it in by itself. And when they saw that, you know, he was a child of need and didn't have the money, they went ahead and accepted him anyway. So instead of saying, oh, I can't because I got stuck here. I don't have the money. He just says, I ain't want to go. Universe, help me out. And mm-hmm. it just fell in the right hands. And he, his whole life changed and he became a medical doctor. And he's, his whole story is so inspirational. But it talks about all the things we're talking about now. Angie, you had recommended that book to me about a year ago. And uh, I agree. That's one of my top 10. And it's truly about how to use the mind. And his story is so inspiring. And he shares with everybody exactly what he learned in the magic shop of how to create your own magic. And I have it on audio too. Super entertaining and funny. It's yes. funny too. He's funny. It's like funny. It's, it's, I mean, you'll cry book. with him, laugh yes. with him. You hear about yeah. his stories his and I was story. just so his emotional story. and how he uprise yep. and you're cheering him on in the book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. It's amazing. Yes. And just gives you a sense of hope. It's it's a great, great reference. Angie, what's left on your dream list? I can't even imagine. Talk about manifesting your dreams. Can you share with us anything else that you haven't manifested Um, yet as we get toward the end of the show? You know, um, right now, you know, I'm really happy with what I've manifested. We live on this beautiful property that we took five years to find, to find the perfect location. So I'm just thrilled with that manifestation, you know, two beautiful children. Um, So my life is just really beautiful right now in the midst of everything going on in the world. I'm just so grateful because not everybody can say that. You know, and I was just so great. Every day I, I'm thankful for what I have because it's like, that's the first thing is to be grateful for what you already have. And when I look at what I want now, you know, just to create more of what I have, I want to make this property into this most beautiful Mecca of, of, of health and vitality so that the earth is a healing site. 
you know, I, I'm incorporating biogeometry on the land. I want to grow organic foods on the land. I'm creating meditation centers and I built a labyrinth on the property. And so I want that anybody who comes here can feel that and be healed by the property, by the land, um, beautiful organic orchards, you know, food that they can just eat right off the you know, trees. That's my dream. Um, finishing my book is my dream because I think that will inspire others to you know, move forward and believe in themselves. Um, I share a lot of out of these world stories that have happened to me from believing in, 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 in shamanism and believing in myself and listening to messages and then seeing them come true. So it's like, okay, yeah, maybe she's just hearing voices in her head, but the stories that I have are like valid, validity and how true this can happen and, and real concrete stories of saying this really does work. And so that's my dream is to get that book out because especially now in the time of the world, we need inspiration. And that's what my book is about is inspiring us. And despite everything going around, we can still create manifest the world that we want to see. Well, I'm going to be the first one to buy it. And then I would love to have you back on the show to help share with the book with people and get into the book more when it comes out. Okay. Absolutely. So I definitely, um, Angie, you are just a wealth of not only inspiration, but knowledge and just wisdom and love and just the most beautiful example for people, uh, especially women who need good role models, you know? Um, wow, you you are it, Angie Check. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, do you have a title for the book yet? Well, I do, but I don't wanna share oh, it because, right. okay. Okay. you know, it's one of those yeah. things, that, but it's a, it's a very okay. key title. I don't wanna give it away because I don't want anybody to claim Just my title. Just steal it. Yeah, no, yeah, okay. So it's, that lip. okay, cool. So I, what I want, as soon as it's out, I'll be sharing the title all over the place. Okay. Um, but yes, like I said, I started it many years ago and I just recently picked it up and I'm like, it, it was, it's actually really it's good. Yeah, and I was like, at the time I was discouraged. You know how we get those thoughts in your head? Oh, this isn't mm. what I want. Isn't mm. I'm, like, I'm like, this is perfect. Why did I stop? And so I'm going to finish it. And uh, that's my dream. And that's my next big step in the world is to give that to the world. It's another baby, your third child. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Angie, how can people find you and uh, any other information you'd like to share? Yeah, so um, you can directly email me at angiesworld@me.com. Uh, A-N-G-I-E-S-W-O-R-L-D at me.com. That's my personal email. They can reach out to me that way. I do have a website. Um, I have not updated in a while, but it does show a little bit about my work and what I've done in the past. It's angiesworld.com. If you're interested in learning more about the Czech Institute where I teach, you can go to checkinstitute.com. That's C-H-E-K. So not a lot of people think Czech, C-H-E-C-K doesn't have the extra C. So chekinstitute.com. There you can see about the courses we offer. You can see the classes I'm teaching. I'd love to see you in my class. So if anybody's listening and has been inspired, um, come see me. Uh, I do take, do we do courses also live online. So in addition to the recorded ones, there are live online courses. So if you want more interaction with me, that's another option for you. So look into that. That's the greatest way to kind of connect to me email me or look me up on those courses. Fantastic. And everyone, those will be in the show notes as well, in case you're driving or doing something multitasking like many of us do and we watch or listen to the show. Those will be in the show notes. Angie Chuck, thank you so much for being on Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. Thank you, Amy. Would you like to support my mission to help empower people all over the world to be all of who they truly are? If so, please subscribe to the show leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend. 
And if you're looking to take immediate action to align your energy and optimize your health, visit amyfournier.com. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite. Let's awaken her together in you. I'm your hostess, Amy Fournier, and I already can't wait to be with you again and for you to hear what I have planned for the next show. Thanks for listening to Awakening Aphrodite with Amy Fournier. To learn more about Amy, check out her website, amyfournier.com. That's A-M-Y-F-O-U-R-N-I-E-R.com. You can also check out Amy's live and on-demand virtual fitness and yoga classes and sign up for her newsletter to receive a free mini ebook of three of her top tips for making holistic health a lifestyle. Again, that's amyfournier.com and get your ebook sent to your email immediately. Connect with Amy on the daily on Instagram at FitAmyTV, F-I-T-A-M-Y-T-V, and watch many of the podcast episodes and subtopic clips on her YouTube channel, which is also FitAmyTV. Enjoy, and we'll see you next time on Awakening Aphrodite.